Good morning and welcome to the Dungeon Musings Podcast. My name is Kevin Madison and I will be your friendly Dungeon Muser this morning. Today, I want to start with a bit of a story. So, in uh, the 1980s, uh, there was a young musician uh, by the name of Al uh, Jorgensen. And uh, Al uh, had uh, put together a, um, a band. He, at the time, was a pretty big fan of uh, the new wave sound, the kind of like British, you know, synth alternative um, uh, pop stuff, and he put together a band called Ministry. And uh, Ministry did have uh, their biggest success with that sound was uh, with a, a song called um, "Every Day Is Halloween," and it's a great fucking song. And to be honest, like their their music from that period is is a lot of fun. Um, and the video for "Every Day Is Halloween" is is hilarious. It's got tons of old um, um, old cartoons in it, uh, so it's worth checking out online. The thing is, is Al uh, being a uh, an American. Uh, still saying all his songs with a faux British accent, like it. it he was so uh, keen on emulating the um, the music that he liked, uh, or at least that was uh, popular. Well, I mean, obviously he liked it if he was making it. Um, that he was going so far as to not really sing in his own voice. He was, uh, it, you know, in retrospect, when you hear later Ministry stuff, it does seem funny, but. Um, around the time of the release of, and I believe it's the Land of Rape and Honey, is the, the album where he found his voice. And then ever since then, he has been a clear and authentic voice in industrial music. And I think maybe the one of the, the key founders of that, uh, that whole you know, scene of music. And if you listen to Every Day is Halloween, and then you listen to any of those tracks from uh, Land of Rape and Honey, um, you can see a dramatic shift. And... Um, I think that the former is, is still pretty good. Like I like I like those songs. I think they're a lot of fun. But I certainly prefer the later stuff. And part of that is because that is authentically him being him. And the reason I'm mentioning um, Al Jorgensen is not just to take a nostalgic trip down, you know, alt '80s bands and uh, you know late '80s, early '90s industrial music. It's because I want to talk today about uh, finding your voice as a dungeon master. I've been watching a couple of different uh, live streams uh, recently. Um, I finally checked out uh, Matt Colville's uh, live stream, like actual play sessions. And uh, recent news at the time of recording has uh, Chris Perkins back in in, the, in my. Um, uh, in my sights, I guess, and uh, not in my sights, that sounds like I'm out to get him, but it's reminding me again of how Chris Perkins is a different style of DM from uh, Matt Colville, who's a different style of DM from, um, you know, what's his name, Matt Mercer uh, from Critical Role, uh, and all, all of which I think are different from the way I run games and from the way some of my friends run games as well. And uh, I, I wanted to talk about how, you know, just the importance of not having any one given voice for it. So I'm making a very, very long uh, intro here. Let's maybe get out of the intro and get to the meat of the episode. So finding your voice. Um, those who may be regular listeners uh, are aware that uh, in my day job, I'm a, a lawyer. And uh, I am the kind of lawyer I am is a litigator. I'm the kind that uh, you know either sues people on behalf of other people or, or rather, I mean, advances suits on behalf of people uh, or defends uh, people who have been sued by other people. It means that I'm uh, sometimes in the courtroom. The nature of my work does not get me in court very often, but uh, there are times when I get to go. And um, one of the things that I, uh, in the course of my training as a lawyer, was in, uh, fine, in, in oral advocacy. And I think that, uh, I mean, realist, uh, realistically, I think that the my past experience as a dungeon master and as a gamer really helped me uh, you know, equipped me with a number of um, the skills that I use as a, as a lawyer on a day-to-day basis. That that's really 
basis for another video. What I wanted to talk about is finding your authentic voice. Now, um, I've uh, I've had some very very I'll play these voice messages at the end, but I've had some very kind words from some of my uh, players recently talking about the enthusiasm I have for uh, for games, and that's not just um, for games. I mean, obviously, role playing games are my number one favorite hobby, so uh, I obviously have a lot of enthusiasm for them, but. Um, I'm kind of what you would call, you know, uh, someone blessed with an abundance of enthusiasm. I get as excited about, you know, a good breakfast as I do about, you know, when I spot an extra making eye contact with a camera. Like, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm pretty enthusiastic with respect to everything I do. But um, that also carries over to my advocacy as well, too. I, I uh, had a, when I was younger and a more junior lawyer, I sometimes had a, a habit of getting a little too worked up and speaking a little too quickly when... Um, you know, when I was uh, advocating for something or if I was, you know, taught discussing a point of law with a learned judge or justice. And, um, and the thing is, is that that was to my detriment. But, um, the one thing that they really like the, uh, the, the folks who trained me, both my professors in law school and the, um, practitioners who I, I dealt with in the course of my practice and, uh, as mentors or whatever, uh, the, the overwhelming advice was to, when you're in court, to not sound like a robot, to not sound like you're just reading a script, to actually make a persuasive argument, be it to a judge or a jury, is to make sure you are, you know, use your authentic voice for it. And I don't mean like, you know, not sounding like Mickey Mouse or not doing a British impression or something like that. What I mean is like the way that you would try and persuade someone in real life. You know, um, and that is a, a moving target sometimes, you know, the, you, you will find over the course of your life that you would obviously see that the way that you, the way the person you are changes and the way that you approach arguments and discussions and so forth, those often change the way you approach role-playing games often, uh, changes over time as well. But for, um, what the, the advice was, was figure out what your voice was and then make all the things that work with that voice work for you and then make adjustments if you need to. You know, for instance, if you are not someone who uses uh, fairly in, in the course of, in the context of um, law, if you're not someone who uses uh, legal vernacular, like, like um, you know, uh, Latin terms, like contraproferentum or things like that, if you don't use those on a regular basis, don't use them in your oral advocacy because you're going to probably stumble over them or you may use them wrong. Um, I had a, a friend who uh, was, he's a um, family lawyer now. Uh, or divorce lawyer, uh, if is maybe a better way to understand it, but he used to be a crim lawyer, and uh, I saw him in court one time, um, hilariously used the, uh, he used the word prevalent, but he said prevalent, the prevalent this, prevalent, prevalent that, and afterwards I said, you know, I, I don't think that you're saying that word right, he's like, what are you talking about, no, it's fine, it's, it's fine, and uh, we went to the, um, the uh, online Oxford English Dictionary, where they have a little pronunciation guide, and I sat there playing for him over and over again, prevalent, 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 while they pronounced it. And uh, I, I don't, um, you know, I don't pick that uh, uh, example as, uh, you know, just to pick on him. I certainly have had times in court where I've said a word and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure I said that wrong. Um, uh, nomenclature is a word that I often get wrong. Uh, so I try and minimize my use of that. But the, the reason I bring up all these uh, law of war stories is because uh, when you're at the table as well, you know, I think especially with the prominence of, or the prevalence, I should say, uh, haha, prevalence, there we go, uh, of online um, streaming, you know, it's it's easy to, I think, for folks who are new to the game, uh, or even vets, to look at that and compare themselves unfavorably to, to what's going on. 
Uh, I don't necessarily mean my my streams, the fucking dog's breakfast of, uh, you know, stuff I, I throw to the table. Um, what I mean is, like, you know, the professional uh, podcasters, like, uh, again, like Matt Colville, like uh, Matt Mercer, like Chris, you know. Um, those guys each have very distinctive ways. What I was surprised with, uh, with uh, Matt Colville in, in particular is... Uh, like I, I think he's a good DM, uh, but he like he doesn't do any voices. He doesn't uh, hit all of the role playing is in his voice. You know, like there's not um, uh, there there isn't anything um, there isn't anything going on where he's even like changing his demeanor or changing his uh, the pace of his his discussion. Sometimes there's a little bit of uh, um, hissing when he's doing a uh, dragon. Uh, born character, but you compare that to like Matt Mercer, who has a whole host of different voices he deploys for his. I, I just I thought that was that was interesting, um, and I mean it's the I don't mean that to say one is better than the other. Um, what I mean by that is a great example of you play to the play to your strengths and play to what you are comfortable with. Um, there's nothing wrong with going outside of your comfort zone, you know, like. Uh, I'm not saying that always stay in the safe zone, always stay with things you are comfortable with. Um, I, for one, you know, progressively over the years that I've been gaming have been including more and more accents in mine or silly voices because, I mean, at, when I was younger, I would think it was foolish so I wouldn't do it because I, I didn't want to feel foolish. Now, I, I don't really give a shit because I'm kind of a fool anyway and I, I, I really enjoy doing it and the, the reaction from the players is often, it's either like, wow, that was great or... Holy shit, that was terrible, but hilarious. So, you know, either way, you end up with a, a positive contribution to your game. And, uh, you know, there's other things like handouts. I, I, I like using Roll20 uh, for my games, and I love having lots of maps, and I love having dynamic lighting, and I love having other things. But that's not the only way to do things. You know, you can run a game perfectly well in theater of the mind as well. And it's it's a matter of finding out what you are comfortable with you're not uncomfortable but what's what's your voice not comfortable it's like that's not the right thing finding what your voice and sometimes finding that voice is going to be pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone to trying or doing things that you know you're not familiar with you're not comfortable with but that's how we grow as uh, dms that's how we you know um we improve finding your voice is not going to be a static one thing once you've hit that you're like oh this is what this is how i dm there we go uh, ideally, what you're always going to want to do is continually improve your skills. You know, continually try new things, continually add new tricks and and whatnot to your to your set to your um, uh, to your skill set. Um, you know, and the only way you really figure out what that voice is is by doing it. You know, I I made uh, the or mentioned the example of my buddy using that uh, that word. You know, but I mean that was one of um, that experience, I think, made for him being a better and uh, more mindful lawyer. In the same way that when I use the, you know, uh, nomenclature, I, I mispronounced. I always want to say nomenclature, and that's just not how the word is said. <laughs> so, um, you know, that what it means is that I am more mindful and uh, more um, careful in my selection of words, when I, particularly when I'm in court. But uh, for, for the DM, you know, the, the nice thing... Uh, well, I mean, this is true for court as well, too, but for, for court and at the table, you fucking try it. Throw against the wall, see what works, you know? Uh, see what happens when you have more prep than you would normally do. See what happens when you have less prep than you would normally do. See what happens when you, you know, start saying yes to everything the players are, are proposing. Um, see whether that fits with your, the presentation, the, 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 all the things that you bring to the table that make that session um, work. You know, yours is the is the backbone on which all the rest of the 
experience is going to hang. You know, the uh, I think I'm mixing metaphors there, or on, or I'm making a skeletal tree, one or the other. Um, the the but the, part of that is finding what you are comfortable with. Are you comfortable talking in character? Do you want to talk in just generalities? You know, you talk to so-and-so and, and what you learn from him is X, Y, Z, or do you want to go through the actual role-playing with it? You know, um, for me as a DM, I love role-playing. I love playing these other characters and seeing what uh, what happens in the course of the conversations. I also love seeing my players play in character. But, I mean, if that's not really something you enjoy and you really just want to kind of keep things moving, you can easily, you know, run a great game without incorporating that stuff. So, I don't know. I mean, I was walking the dog yesterday and I started thinking about the different uh, DMs I, I've been watching and it's worth, you know, it really is worth remembering that there is not one singular way to run things, you know. Uh, everything that I offer on this podcast, everything that everyone else uh, offers in their, you know, podcasts or, or uh, videos or articles or blog posts or whatever, or the books that you purchase for the role-playing games, all that shit is all just um, advice from the, at least as far as the DMing is concerned, it's all advice from that particular DM's experience, but you need to find what is right for you. What is your voice at the table? What's the way that you're going to tell the story that everyone else is going to participate in? You know, um, find that voice and then feel comfortable with it. Live in that, uh, you know, live in the skin as it were, uh, for, for that voice. Things that, um, if you find that like, geez, I'm not really very, you know, I I don't really enjoy doing so-and-so and I'm not maybe not very good at, at doing so-and-so. You got a choice of either getting better at it, you know, pushing, uh, through to try and practice or learn or whatever, uh, or you, um, you just don't do that. You know, um, I'm trying to think of stuff that, uh, um, I get bored with, uh, overly long, overly tactical combats. So I tend to not run them. You know, um, I, uh, I have recently struggled or found a way to uh, present uh, dungeons in a way that I find engaging and I find compelling. But for a really long time, that was one of my, uh, Weak spots was just I, I ran shit dungeons. Uh, I would get bored with them, and then uh, normally blow up the game. Or I just have all my players kidnap the Ravenloft because because uh, fuck it. I was like, I'm sick of playing in this dungeon. I want to go somewhere else. So, um, but that's one of the things that I just worked on. You know, I, I figured a way to make uh, dungeons interesting for me, and that actually came from playing in my buddy Jason Hobbs's game. Hobbs really had, uh, ran a great dungeon uh, for, and I, I didn't even play in this. It was a streaming one I watched. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, that's how you make this stuff interesting. So, you know, the um, that's the upside. There are great ideas you can take from um, streaming, from podcasts, from whatever, especially actual play things, uh, but by no means think that's the only way to do it. By no means look at it and compare, oh, gosh, I can't run a game like so-and-so. I can't do voices like Matt Mercer. I can't do whatever. You know, just run the, you know, figure out what your voice is, uh, play to those strengths, and then uh, your game will feel, not only will it, uh, it, I think, will it be a better experience, you will have more fun, you know, uh, than not having to worry about putting on an artificial voice just for the sake of, uh, of running a game. By which I mean, of course, you know, using someone else's way of running a game to run your game. That's what I mean, not, not necessarily literal voice. Um, that's going to be harder, you know, when you're trying to, uh, not only run a game, which is a, a challenging uh, activity, but also trying to do your best effort to ape Matt Colville or ape Chris Perkins or, or someone like that. Um, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're making it harder than it needs to be. Figure out what your voice is, how you best run games, and then just do it that way. Then you can put all your effort into just running the game and, um, yeah, and enjoying it because holy shit, is it fun running games?
anyway, that's my bit of advice for, uh, for this week. Um, find your voice and uh, lean into it. Now, let's make with the outro. Now, before we transition to our, um, our outro, let's uh, just do a quick check-in with some very, very kind uh, words from some great players uh, with some call-ins. Hi, Kevin. Colin, Spike Pit here. Just calling in to say, really enjoying what you're doing, man. Your energy, your enthusiasm, it's uh, a great example of what the hobby should be, man. Enthusiasm, like minds, people being tolerant of different opinions. And I really enjoyed your last musings. I don't think we probably see eye to eye, but that is not an issue. But I'll tell you what, that Ash game, I'm... I reckon we see eye to eye there. I'm having so much fun. It's a great group of players. I think you're running a blinding session. And I'll thank you for all your efforts. Take care, bro. And I almost forgot. I wanted to say that I didn't think you was being at all negative in uh, in what you were saying about 5e and Pathfinder and that. Uh, I think sometimes you can imagine that. It, it came across as uh, really positive, I thought. Hey, Kevin, Carl Rodriguez here. I'm listening to your back catalog and your latest uh, podcast. And thanks for the uh, couple of shout-outs that you give me on the Other Dust game. And glad you're able to implement some of the things um, that Kevin Crawford came up with for those games with regards to um, resource management. Except don't use those in the Hyperborea game because you're probably going to kill us with them. I do love the Hyperborea game, and I love it when I play. And I like, I will echo what Spike Pitt said, Colin said uh, that um, I love the enthusiasm you bring to all the games that you run and it helps me to up my game when I run on the World 20 um, the question I had was if you could publish those I couldn't find them if you could publish those 10 uh, ideas or uh, useful tips for running a one shot I kind of want to start doing that and use those as intros to a campaign like you've done all right take care Hey, it's Froth, listening to your latest uh, musings on Call of Cthulhu. Really enjoying it. That's easily my second favorite RPG of all time behind D&D. And it's very close, nipping at the heels. So, um, I didn't upgrade to 7th, mainly just because I have such a huge collection of 6th stuff and before, and I'm just used to it. But the conversion is really easy, so I appreciate that. The one seventh edition uh, kind of setting adventure book that I am looking at, though, is the Wild West Down Darker Trails. I'd like to maybe try some Cthulhu in the Old West. That intrigues me. But anyway, wanted to let you know that I enjoyed your episode. Keep up the good work. See ya. Hey, man, it's Rich. I was listening to your recent cast where you're talking about Dragon Heist, and I just wanted to say, you know, it's not so bad. Um, it's really good for new people, I think, because a new DM uh, takes that and they can run it four times, and they'll get better each time they run it, so it'll feel different each time they run it, right? Uh, but for more experienced uh, GMs, it's not going to it's not going to work that way. Um, you're going to have to tweak stuff. You're going to have to add stuff. Uh, there's some pretty good stuff going around uh, the the internet. I think uh, Neurophaser had something. I think uh, Powered Score DM had something. I think Sly Flourish had something. Anyway, tweak and add. There's a lot of space in there to do that. Um, but I have this brilliant idea. Why not use all the villains, you know? Give you something to sink your teeth into, a little more fleshed out, a little more excitement with uh, 
villains coming from every direction, and it might be worthy of your upcoming August YouTube thing. Um, anyways, keep it up, man. Love listening, and I also dislike milestones. XP or die. Hey, Kevin. Hobbs from Random Screed here. I've gotten about halfway through. Dude, your episodes are so long. They're weird for me and Anchor, but they have good content, so I'm not complaining. What I do want to say is I'm definitely going to try and make every single one of the uh, Hexcrawl, Duel, Hyperborea games. I also want to be a guest star in this Delta Green game because I've never played it, and I really uh, like the ideas that you're having for it. Um, I may, You may end up having a recurring guest star all the time. Uh, thirdly, I want to... What is going on this Wednesday, tomorrow? Uh, you usually play so late, but the stuff that you have going on seems so interesting. I really want to uh, jump in, so uh, keep it going. I'm going to listen to the rest of this episode. I might drop you another line. Uh, but I would consider breaking it into multiple episodes. <laughs> All right, Kevin, talk to you later. Bye. Okay, so that's a lot of <laughs> a very back cat- or long back catalog of uh, uh, voice messages that I uh, neglected to get to uh, over the last couple of weeks. So I figured I would just include everything in in uh, in one go here to try and get myself. Uh, I-, I say weeks, by which I mean months, actually. Um, but yeah, thanks to everyone who uh, who uh, called you know quote unquote called in. Um, I greatly appreciate hearing from um, uh, the folks who I play with games with, folks who I have yet to play games with. It's been uh, been really great and uh i and yeah so i I, i'm not going to respond to each individual uh, voice message just know that uh, each uh, thing did uh, was stuff i heard i uh, rich i love (laughs) xp or die (laughs) it's got to be on a t-shirt that's terrific and um hobbs i look forward to playing with you again uh this coming uh at the time of recording this coming saturday we've uh, schedules have been a little uh cocked up the last little while so we haven't seen you back at the table but i look forward to seeing you back in tula come uh saturday morning so anyway um that is it for this week um as always if you have any comments questions or concerns regarding the episode please don't hesitate to shoot me a message on anchor or you can uh shoot me an email my email address is dungeonmusings at gmail.com or you can reach me on twitter at dungeon musings i'll also take this opportunity to uh remind our listeners that from the time of recording up until july 1st we have a charity raffle going on the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel. If you go there, you can find all the information about it. But uh, the long and the short of it is, is that uh, for every $25 that you donate to the Heroes Save Villages campaign, you're entered once into our raffle. And the grand prize of the raffle is a Platinum Edition Dragon Heist box set from uh, Beetle and Grimm. It's a thing that's not available anymore. It's out of print. And uh, there's a bunch of other really cool smaller prizes as well, including, let's see, we got the core rulebook for the new RuneQuest Glorantha. We've got the core rulebook for Warhammer Fantasy uh, Roleplay 4th Edition, very generously donated by um, uh, Cubicle 7. Uh, we have a copy of the Fantasy Flight uh, Legend of the Five Rings uh, role-playing game, uh, the core book for that. We have the core rule books for Delta Green from Arc Dream Publishing. Uh, we have, let's see here, uh, Beetle and Grimm just got back to me. So Matt uh, Lillard has uh, got back to me, and they're going to very generously donate a copy of the new uh, Sinister Silver edition of the Salt Marsh. So if you want to get uh, the entry, you may have a, a chance to win a copy of that very cool product. I haven't seen it yet, but if it's anything like the Platinum Edition Dragon Heist, it's going to be amazing. 
we have uh, donated by Modifius complete PDF libraries for the Conan 2D20 and the Star Trek Adventures uh, uh, games. We have, um, gosh, a Starfinder box set or starter set uh, started for, donated by uh, Paizo. We have um, copies of the, or PDF copies of the Nice Black Agents and uh, Mutant City Blues 2nd Edition uh, role-playing games published by uh, Pelgrane Publishing. And... Uh, Gosh, what else? I'm sure I'm missing stuff here, but there's a bunch of other books uh, that are available as prizes as well. So there's, as you can see, there's there's just a ton of things. Oh, and and uh, I need to follow up on it, but uh, Del Tegler, one of the uh, artists from the Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea game, has very generously offered to donate original art for the charity as well, too. So um, Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers, as uh, regular listeners will know, is my <laughs> favorite game right now. I love running that uh, game, and, and um, it's, you know, if, if you watch us play it on uh, Alternate Saturdays on the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel, or if you just happen to be a fan of, uh, of Ash in general, um, there you can get some original art as a, uh, uh, a reward, or a reward, as a, uh, a prize for the uh, charity raffle, so... Uh, lots of great things, and then the, of course, the all the donations benefit uh, SOS Children's Villages, and, and in particular benefit the children who, who um, are uh, the beneficiaries of their uh, services. Uh, you can go to uh, the uh, SOS. Actually, you can do a search for SOS Children's Villages International and Heroes Save Villages to find the page directly, or you can go to the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel. And all the videos that are posted there in the last six, seven months all have links through to that campaign. So you can easily go there and uh, find a way to donate. But anyway, that is it for this week. Um, if you're listening to this uh, around the time of the recording, have a terrific weekend. And uh, we'll see you guys again very soon. And of course, until next time, happy gaming.